Welcome to the Holding Out Hope podcast. I'm Jason. Uh, things are a little bit different this time. I'm here with my sister, Jessica. Hi. I'm going to have her on as a special guest. Uh, just so you guys can get to know her and we can hear a little different voice on the podcast. We're going to start off just normal, like all every time we start off with hope in action. Uh, for this week, my hope in action is a really cool story. Uh, Thomas Werner was the Iditarod winner this year. And the Iditarod happened right before all this COVID stuff happened. And mm-hmm. after winning the Iditarod, he got stranded there in Alaska because he couldn't travel home to his mm-hmm. home country of Norway. Um, I'm sure that has affected a lot of people that were participating in the Iditarod who are supporting that. Uh, so he, he got stranded there. And he got stranded there with his 16 sled dogs. And he hasn't been able to go home to his wife and his five kids. And he's got what? Uh, it says you have 35 other sled dogs back in Norway. And so his wife has been having to take care of the kids and the sled dogs, and he hasn't been able to get home. But there's a company in Alaska that's selling a historic DC-6 to this aviation museum in Norway. And they're going to let him potentially get on the plane and fly over with it, hmm. which is really awesome. I'm glad that he's going to be able to get home and be back with his family. He missed one of his kids' 10th birthday. So, you know, he says he misses uh, having coffee with his wife in the morning and uh, just missing his family, I'm sure. So uh, just awesome to see that he's going to be able to get back there and reunite with his family. And this article that I mean, it says at the very end, he says, my wife has been taking care of 35 dogs, the kids, and working as a veterinarian. Yes, dear, will be the answer for everything. No. <laughs> so just great to hear that he's going to be able to get back home. Did you have yeah. a story of hope in action? Well, I did. I have one thing. Um, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, um, I saw that he had tweeted out. I just started following his Twitter. And he tweeted out four days ago um, this tweet that says, Um, We lost 84 New Yorkers to COVID-19 yesterday. By any normal standard, this is a hideous number, but we are thankful that this number has fallen below 100 for the first time since late March. Mm. So um, it sounds like their um, daily deaths due to COVID are decreasing, which is just really encouraging to hear, especially with, you know, how hard that area has been hit. So I kind of found some hope in that, especially for, you know, hearing about all of the tragedies that tragic stories in New York. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's our hope in action this week. So Jessica, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your faith journey? Just since we have you on, you can share a little bit about how God has shown you himself and how you've learned through what you've gone through about more who he is and, you know, how you, who you are uh, in relation to him. Sure, yes. So, I grew up around, like, my siblings, like Jason, and we have another sibling, Joy. We grew up with, definitely with parents who really modeled um, just a strong, dedicated faith for each of us kids. And um, I, I accepted Christ at a young age and grew up where, you know, they taught me a lot. Um, and gave me a good foundation and, you know, tried to teach me to to pray and to um, read my Bible. And then when kind of when I got to high school age, I definitely just started to notice that I feel like a lot of my faith was very self-serving 
And I noticed that, you know, when it was easy for me to be a Christian, that that was good for me, that was easy for me. But definitely with different conversations with my friends at school and when it wasn't really like a popular thing to do, then I kind of struggled with wanting to do that more. And I just kind of realized that, you know, even though I, I believed in God and I believed what Jesus had done for me, um, I didn't really think that just my life daily felt like it was totally connected with how I felt about God in private and how I treated him in public. I was really fortunate to um, be able to go to, I went to a small Bible college in Kansas City. Um, it was Calvary Bible College, now it's called Calvary University. Um, and I just went for a year. Um, I just wanted to just spend some time in some Bible classes and really just continue to hammer down the foundations of my faith. And it was a time where I realized, especially going into college, I know that that's a place where a ton of people, you know, lose their faith and, you know, struggle with a lot of wanting to live for themselves. And um, I, I just wanted to kind of get that foundation hammered down ahead of time. And I had just some really great professors there. And um, especially, I really loved my Romans class. My, my professor, um, Dr. Williamson, who he taught it, we had a night class where we were there for, I think, about two and a half hours. And just we just got to just dive into Romans. And I hadn't really studied Romans before. It was kind of one of the books that I hadn't really studied just to kind of read through, you know, front to back. And it it totally changed just the way that I viewed about having confidence in my faith. And I think it, it helps me now as I'm starting to try to have more conversations, especially with unbelievers. And um, I think it's just such a great, um, just kind of logical stepping through of, of why we believe what we do, why we believe it, you know, it affects everybody, why everybody's included, why we live the way that we do. And that was something that just it was a really pivotal point in my faith journey. And I love I'm going back and reading through it now because I really want to just keep re-sparking just that connection to why I'm living and just how to talk with others about God and kind of get their starting place with God. And yeah, I'm just continuing to grow and trying to step through, you know, another book of the Bible and um, just keep going with it. And now I'm going to be starting a new school program and um, I'm just excited to see how God cultivates friendships there and just exciting to have a new environment to um, for him to keep growing me. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of our stories are really evidence for how important spending time in God's word is. Yeah. And I, for me, that's, that's a struggle of mine. Uh, I think it's be, because it, it's been so easy for me, you know, at my Bible colleges to just say, just take, take the time of, you know, studying word, the word for classes and using that time as personal devotion time. Obviously, you know, some of your technical studies, it's, it's kind of hard to use those as devotions, but spending time in the word, you can always, even if you're using it for class, you can, find ways to really incorporate that into your prayer life into into using that connect to connect you to God and being in that daily really grew me spiritually and especially so, so at my first Bible college frontier 
in Wyoming because I was a young Christian and I was really growing, taking my first steps into my faith. And having that constant Bible in my life every single day was so important for me to learn who I was, what I believed, who God was, how to live this new life in relationship with him. And I think that's something that we don't think of as being that life-giving in our daily Christian lives. We think it's important, of course, Mm -hmm. but we don't see that life. And yet looking back at our lives, I know for me, I can absolutely say that was just it changed my life just to be just that, you know, those semesters of being in the Bible in a daily way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think that we can find that if we, if we do spend time in the Bible and it's very hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard for me. Um, some people me have, too. yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know some people, uh, some of my friends, you know, who have made those habits and, you know, having made those, you know, deep ruts into the habit of spending time in the word daily. And it, really has blessed them. And yeah. that's what they do now. Um, and they see it as valuable because they do it all the time. And for me, I'm just beginning those ruts of normal life, spending time in the Bible. It, and that's, you know, just daily. Here's my morning. Here's my evening, whatever time you take. And, you know, praying that God will help those ruts to, you know, help that help that he waters the ground so I can make those ruts even easier. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I, that's what I was so thankful for in high school when I was kind of struggling and I realized that, you know, my private faith life and public faith life didn't match up. I I remember I just hadn't opened my Bible in, you know, days, weeks, like months. And I and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to Bible college is I just like wanted it scheduled into my day to read it. And I, yeah, I was so blessed by just just spending so many hours in the Bible. And like now it's so great to have had that experience in Bible college and have had those moments that, you know, God has really shaped what I believe through the Bible. And um, it just encourages me to keep coming back because I know that it works. I know that like that immediately you just start to see God point out things in your life. And he's like, Hey, this is what I was talking about. And when you read this, you know, in my word yesterday. Yeah. And the more we spend time in his word, the more we see those things that pop out from his word. Yeah. The more that he says, remember that thing that you read, this is that in action right now in the world, in your life. And that's one of the beautiful things about reading scripture is it opens our eyes to see the ways that God is working. Because he is working, whether we see it or not. But when we read the scripture and we see this is God's heart, this is the way that he works in people's lives, it opens our eyes to to see him in our life. And, you know, that's 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 very bolstering to our faith to know that God is there, to know that God is doing those things. Because when we are blind, when we, when we don't see him, when we don't spend his time in his word to see who he is and where he's at, we can sometimes think he's not around. Mm-hmm. We can sometimes think that he's not you know, he's not there with us uh, by our side, just like that story of the, you know, footprints in the sand. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, you know, kids nowadays would say it's cringe, whatever, whatever word you want to use. It's it's kind of a, you know, old fashioned story. But, you know, there is that truth of looking back and seeing only one foot set of footprints in the sand. And if you don't know who God is, then you could say he left me during that time. But the truth is he was the one that was, you know, carrying us the whole time. 
Uh, and, and that's just what his word does for us. So yeah. uh, let's move into his word then. Sounds good. In action right now. <laughs> uh, and so this last, this last week we studied Acts 1. And we started in verse 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So all of them, you know, they, they realized that this is an important time period, and they're all sticking together. They're all being in community, and they're all praying. And those are two things that I think we can learn just right there. Yeah, um, I love that verse. When times are tough, we need community and we need prayer. And so it says, verse 15, In those days Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. And jumping down to uh, 20, let's go to 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take this place in this ministry, an apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. So, first of all, one big thing we see is just the importance of having good leaders. They mm-hmm. see such an importance in this that they're they're putting forth this whole criteria for who's going to be in leadership, who's going to be the ones who are taking part in this such important ministry. Uh, especially to lead it. Um, there were much, many, many more people. We often think of guys like Paul, first of all, and, you know, Peter and uh, James as the guys that spread the early church. But it was much, much more than just three, four, right. yeah. 12, 120 people. It was the whole community of believers. That's the only way that Christianity grew was that yeah. everyone was so dedicated to this is life changing and I'm going to tell the people around me about it. And especially through, you know, their persecution, they said, we were, we're going to stand strong for Jesus. And so even when the persecution came, it was a testimony for them standing up for Jesus. And that was important because if it was just Paul and Peter and James standing up to persecution, you know, speaking out, even though they were told not to, there would be no, you know, Christian, religion nowadays it would have died off with 120 and you know that's the same thing for us is we have to we have to speak about jesus that's not a part of our lives that god calls us to hide or even allows us to hide we have to speak it out because it's so important we have to realize that it changes lives and since it's changed ours we have to share it so that others can see that same thing and it's important for, for all of us uh, if we just let the those who are, you know, the quote-unquote evangelists uh, do it. I mean, unless we get some, you know, unless we get a half dozen Billy Grahams, you know, right. then maybe. But 
you know, unless that happens, it's all of our call. Um, that's the only way we can succeed on our mission to spread the news to the ends of the earth, which yeah. is still our call. That's the call we saw at the beginning of Acts, and that's still our call, to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I think it speaks to the dedication of faith of those that small group of people, that they could, you know, impact so much change and so much spread. And I think, too, like, if each of us who profess Christianity, like, you know, here in the U.S. and around the world, were to have, you know, the kind of faith that these early Christians had willing to be persecuted and willing to, you know, just, like, just shout it out, like, how much more it could spread. I think that's a really good point about it starts with faith. That's something that Josh said on one of our last podcasts was we were talking about our calls in the Bible to evangelize and our call to, you know, have a relationship with God. Like those are our two great calls in the Bible is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and then, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, which ultimately works out into, you know, spread the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, those are really the two same commands, love your neighbor as yourself and spread the gospel are the same command. So we have these two great commands and I was talking about how, one of them we only have for a short time here, and one of them we have for eternity. So mm, we have to right. kind of balance them in, in this lifetime. And, and Josh said, you know, I, there's this idea of it's not one against the other. They're the same thing. The closer we come to God, the more we become a part of his love for the people around us. And that's what leads us to love our neighbor and to spread the gospel. And so I think that's a great point. It goes back to their faith. To, they believed this so really that nothing could take them down even if you know they were threatened to their life they said this is my life this is what i believe is true and i can't stand on anything else so they go on in chapter one the last verse which i didn't uh, read yet but the last verse says and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles so my question is they were so serious about this, about setting out the criteria of this had to be somebody with, with us from the beginning. It has to be somebody who's, uh, you know, been standing with us, has not fallen away. Uh, they've been so serious about it. And then they just decide to roll some dice. They just decide to flip a coin. Right. Are they that suddenly is... just like, nah, that's not really a big deal. Or what's the meaning of that? What's the meaning of we're going to take a chance? And... You know, you can see it in their prayer. They, they say, you know, Lord, you know the hearts. We don't. Right, yeah. And so they cast lots for it. And, you know, it's, it's a different time where they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So I believe that God was more maybe willing. That's not exactly the right word, but more active in working through things like that. Sure. But, you know, yeah. I, I still believe that he absolutely works in things like that. I don't think nowadays yeah. it might be the wisest decision to flip a coin to decide you know, who you're going to hire on for a job or something. But, you know, maybe. Uh, I can't say that God doesn't work that way. Yeah. But really, you know, the the lesson from that we learn from this passage is not to do that necessarily or not to do that. Sure. But the lesson is just that God works through mundane ways. God works through chance. Oftentimes we say good luck or something like that to someone who's uh, going off on an, on an endeavor. But... There is no luck because we believe that God is in control of everything. So even in this instance where they're appealing to the luck of the dice, it's not really luck. It's it's God's hand. So what does that mean for us as we look into our lives? 
What does that mean for us practically? How do we live our lives in the light of that? Well, I think my biggest like encouragement, my biggest takeaway from this is their, their prayer to God. And that shows their heart, shows that they are trying to seek God's will. And I think God wants us to, you know, before we make decisions, especially big decisions and, you know, ones that involve ministry and spreading his name to send up a prayer to him and just ask him for his blessing, for his will to, um, you know, keep our eyes from being clouded by, you know, worldly influences for our decisions. And I think that that is just an encouragement to me with, you know, big decisions or with decisions that there isn't really one way that like I can tell is specifically more right. And just to, to ask God to, to bless, you know, whatever I choose and, you know, just, just believing that, that as long as he's behind whatever it is, even if, even if it would be the wrong decision that he can, you know, turn it for good and turn it um, for his glory. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The prayer in my mind, you know, thinking of an analogy to what that means, it reminds me of a parent, a dad with their young child who's working on a puzzle or reading a book or something, you know, the dad's going to be watching over them. The dad's never going to go, you know, go away and, and, you know, not pay attention. But if, you know, but he's, he might, he's not actively involved in what the child's doing. You know, he's over, you know, cooking something or he's over writing something for work or whatever, you know, that, that kind of idea. But if the child goes, daddy, can you help me with this? Then he's going to go over, even though it's not some life or death situation, he's going to go over and he's just going to be there and, you know, support the child, whatever. And I, I think that's the way it is a lot of times with us and God is, you know, we're not outside of God's control if we don't pray, but just that God, can you be here with me? God, can you guide me? kind of brings him over our shoulder and he's yeah. there with us and he's there to support us and there to go. I don't know about that thing. Maybe, you know, this is the right way to go. Just having that prayer. I, I really believe that, that, you know, it just brings God over our shoulder, brings him with us. Like I said, it's, it's not as if he's not around when we don't pray, but right. I think that's just really the truth. And, you know, at the very, not at the very least, but just prayer in general is such a, wonderful way for us to connect with God, for us to take that opportunity to to go right into God's throne room and have a relationship with him. And that's, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. That's, that's what he wants is that relationship with us Mm -hmm. and to bring him into our lives and to, you know, bring us into, to his realm. Yeah. That's what prayer does uh, in a beautiful way. Yeah. And I think it also, it gives me a lot of peace and it's something, especially when I've been wondering about certain, you know, approaches toward, toward sharing my faith with like someone at work or with a friend. And I, you know, get this kind of like waiting for the Holy Spirit's timing and not trying to like force things, but also having the boldness, you know, to, to be looking for those opportunities and to, to seize them when they happen and, you know, trust the Holy Spirit to work on their hearts. And it has just, it, it has recently just um, encouraged me to, with especially those kind of situations in my prayers to God and 
just in praying to um, just kind of say like to God that, you know, I know that that this is his, you know, biggest heart is to have others come to him. And, you know, he wants nothing more than to have every single person to come to know him. And it gives me a lot of peace when I'm so worried about, you know, my specifics of what I'm saying and to just be able to give that to God and to know that that's his heart from, you know, reading in his word. That just gives me so much encouragement and strength to to go about talking to people and to not worry about making little mistakes and things like that because knowing that God's power is behind reaching that person's heart for him that you know that encourages me with that yeah it gives us so much peace to know either he's using us and he's using his power through us to speak exactly what the person needs or he's just using us to plant some seeds. Yeah. You know, he's just using us to open the the mind of someone to the idea of him or his right. love or the idea that there are people that have a love that is beyond the normal that comes from somewhere else. You know, whatever he's using us to do, whether it's to, to take that person over the, the quote unquote finish line or if it's just to plant the idea in their heads. And that should give us so much peace. To know it doesn't matter if I make mistakes. It just matters if I'm trying to follow God's plan. I'm trying to follow his leading. Because if we're doing that and if we're open to God's leading, then he'll use us Mm -hmm. in whatever way he wants to. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing we can do to get in the way of that. Not even our mistakes. Because if us in our full power could never come against God's plan and God's will, then us in our mistakes could not even do anything in comparison. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what we've been talking about a lot is doing your best and trusting God to the rest. That's kind of been our tagline uh, that we've been uh, saying over and over. Uh, But we can hear somebody mowing outside. It's getting pretty loud here. And that's pretty much everything we had to say. A little short one for you guys this week, just to tide you over next week. We're going to maybe have another special guest, uh, so be ready for that. But if you want any more encouragement, you can go to Hope Colorado Springs uh, to our Facebook page. You can go to hopecosprings.church for our, our website uh, just to connect, get connected there to see our Sunday morning Bible studies, uh, to see our weekly, you know, weekday Bible studies. You can uh, get connected with the community and just talk to people, share your story and really see the love of Christ uh, within that community. Uh, You can also go to our Holding Out Hope podcast Facebook page where we post our podcasts and we post the things uh, we talk about. Uh, You can share your stories of hope in action. We would love to see those and get notified whenever we get a new podcast. Uh, But other than that, uh, I've had a pleasure doing this. Uh, Thank you, Jessica, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. (laughs) And I will see you guys next week. Bye.